Hello, everyone, and welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Jeannie Rodriguez, and I want to thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and fill out a connection card at cfmemory.org connect. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during this season. And now, a special message by Pastor Omar. again and again and again. Well, we're glad you're here. And if you're a guest with us for the first time, you caught us at a very, very special time at Christ Fellowship. Because today, our lead pastor, Pastor Omar, by the way, hasn't he been doing an amazing job bringing the Word of God? Our pastor is going to be having conversation today with someone very special. Her name is Judy Bullock. And Judy, Julie has devoted her life to helping families, to helping individuals, and to helping whole churches like ours to strengthen our generosity muscle. Now, I got to tell you, the first time our staff met Julie, we just fell in love with her personality, with her smile, with her inspiring ways. But even more than that, more than that, we were captivated by her knowledge and by her insight when it comes to biblical generosity. So we thought it would be a good idea. We thought it'd be a good idea if Pastor Omar would sort of have a conversation with her and the rest of us would kind of eavesdrop on that conversation. You think that'd be a good idea? You think that'd be a good idea? All right. So let's encourage our pastor and let's give a warm welcome to Julie Bullock. You guys doing all right? Yeah, man, good to see you all. Well, welcome. My name is Omar, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And listen, like Pastor Rick said, if, if you're here joining us today for the very first time, thank you for joining us. We are in the middle of a series called what? All In. All In, that we've been looking at what it means to be all in in terms of our trust, all in in terms of our surrender and all in in terms of our generosity to the work of Christ. And it's been an amazing, amazing, transformative series here at CF. Do you guys believe that? Do you guys agree with that? Yeah, it's been amazing so far. So thank you so much for joining us. In fact, go ahead and take a seat, everyone, at all of our campuses. You know, if you don't mind, you know, go ahead and, and take out our, our all-in uh, booklets. You should have a workbook, so you should all have it at all campuses. You can take it out. Hopefully, you've been bringing them with you every single week. And uh, today, we are on week three, and so it's on page 22. So if you want to open up your booklets, and, uh, you know, as we had this conversation with Julie, uh, you know, whatever stands out to you, I know she's going to make some points, I'm sure, and whatever stands out to you from the conversation, just feel free to jot that down right there in your message notes. And then in your, in your small groups, 
uh, when you meet together, that's something more that you can also add to the conversation. You can add, you know, kind of share a little bit of, of what stood out to you from uh, today's time together. And so, you, are you all ready? Awesome, awesome. So, Julie, thank you for joining us. Honestly, thank you. It's been, it's been an honor to have you with us here at Christ Fellowship. And uh, just to begin, just tell us a little bit about yourself, about your family. You bet. Well, it is so wonderful to be here. Thank you for that warm welcome. Uh, my husband and I and our 14-month-old daughter, which she's kind of about the same age as Camila, yes. uh, we reside in the Tulsa, Oklahoma area. Uh, my husband is a beef cattle rancher, so if mm. you like beef, it, it probably didn't come from our tiny little farm, but <laughs> we support you. <laughs> and uh, we are part of a church very similar to CF, uh, multi-campus church in the Tulsa area. I'm on our leadership team, and we just really love the local church, love being with you today. Awesome. Well, thank you for, for, for uh, joining us. And so, you know, as we dive into this topic of, of what is true biblical generosity, you know, how should we get started? What are some opening things that you kind of want to help us start thinking through? Well, I thought we'd open up today with a little bit of a story. So I don't know if any of you remember, maybe that first time you went over to dinner at the in-laws house, maybe. Uh, I, re- I remember, parents, I remember, remember that? Ashley. Oh, yeah. uh, or maybe it was uh, maybe somebody you were dating and it was the first time that you went over to meet their family for dinner. Well, I remember this particular time. I went to Wheaton College up in Chicago, and it was my, my sophomore year, probably about 20-some-odd years ago. And I remember distinctively going into this uh, gentleman's family's house for the first time. And uh, of course, the mom was serving a meal, and you know you, you don't want to insult the, um, the uh, server of the meal. You need to make sure you eat the entire meal that's served to you, right? Mm-hmm. Well, most meals are served in one of two ways. So they're either served buffet style, right? Where you can kind of go on the kitchen island and choose your portions, Mm -hmm. or they are served family style, where there again, you've got all of your dishes, your bowls, your plates, and you can choose your portions. Well, this meal was served neither of those two ways, probably because this was a 10-member family, and some of you know what this is like. I think it's called rationing, (laughs) right? Okay, some of you know this. But in this particular family, it was not that there was a little bit that had already been pre-portioned on my plate. It was that there was a whole lot that had already been decided that I needed to consume. I did not get to choose my portions. So I look at all this food. There's a huge bowl of baked beans. I'm from Oklahoma, but I, I don't like baked beans. I have yet to, uh, to, to really have a great recipe. So if you have one, I'll, I'll give it a shot. But I'm not a huge baked beans fan. There was a bowl. Then there was a chicken breast. You know, my husband, beef cattle, but I liked chicken at the time. So uh, then there was a salad bowl. There was a dinner roll. Love carbs. I could add four. And then there was, I think, some green beans. So I'm looking at this bowl of baked beans, and I know I need to start there. So I start there, and then I go back to the chicken. I'm going over here to the salad. I'm almost done with this bowl of baked beans, feeling pretty proud of myself, stuffing them down. And the gentleman's father, who was kind of an intimidating attorney in town, and some of you who are in that industry, I'm so sorry, but you can be intimidating sometimes. (laughs) So he looked across at me at the table, and he said, were you going to leave any for us? (laughs) Uh-oh. Apparently, I had consumed the entire 10-member family's oh bowl of baked beans. I'll just say, uh, it was an interesting night for a couple of reasons. Just <laughs> leave it right there. 
I share that story to open up our time. It's 100% true. Uh, I still tell it to this day, clearly. He probably does too. But I I share that with you because I think it illustrates a a point we need to make for today. So um, that night, I was so nervous that I was just focused in on my own place setting. Uh, Had I even looked out one time at anyone else's place setting, I would have seen no one else had a massive bowl of baked beans to the left of their water glass. But I didn't, I was focused just in on me. And I think this topic of generosity, sometimes we think that it's just, it's just really between us and God. It's it's kind of like, you know, religion and politics. How do you talk about that in a social setting? And a lot of times we have a misnomer that generosity is not something to be shared. And yet in scripture, we find that generosity is incredibly communal. And if, even if you're following along in your books, just write that down. Generosity is incredibly communal because in scripture, there's only one scripture that ever refers to generosity being in secret. And you probably know what it is. When you give, don't let the right hand know yeah. what the left hand is doing. As we know, right before that passage is when you pray, pray in secret. So clearly that passage is about motivations. When you are, if, if you are um, seeking the approval of men when you pray, then when you pray, you better do it in a closet. Mm. If you're seeking the approval of men and not having pure motivations, then when you give, don't, don't let the right hand know what the left is doing. Mm. But in all other cases of scripture, Old Testament and new, we see stories of giving. And I just wanna encourage us, which is why I've, I've so loved seeing some of your all-in stories. They've been beautiful because I think God wants each of us to open up our place setting to see what he's doing in our life so he can be glorified. And I think he wants us to learn, whether it's in our small group or our families or whatever, what other people, how he's working in other people's lives. So I think generosity is just a really communal subject. You know, I, I completely agree with you. You know, I, as you were sharing, I, I just thought to myself, you know, it's interesting that, you know, I've been at church for a long time, you know, serving the Lord and ministry. And I always, I always hear people celebrate when God comes through and is faithful in restoring a marriage. You know, when God is faithful in fixing that issue at work or something with a child or maybe a health issue, you know, we, we're quick to celebrate those moments in our life. But for whatever reason, when it comes to like celebrating how faithful God has been in, in regards of our finances and what we give and how he responds, I feel at times, you know, we, we don't celebrate it as much. And it's, and it's, it's really sad because it, like you said in scripture, we're supposed to celebrate the faithfulness of God in our lives. And I, I love the fact that in this series, we've been able to really celebrate, and people have shared a little bit of not only how they've honored the Lord in this area, but also how God has been faithful, because I think when we celebrate that, I think what happens is that it shows other people, wow, if they could be faithful, then I could be faithful too. And if God was faithful to them, then he's going to be faithful to Amen. me. Amen. And I think there's just a healthy, you know, I, I know that we don't share things, you know, because we don't want to be prideful when it comes to our finances, but men, especially in giving to the Lord, I think we really gotta, you know, kind of break through that, the hesitancy, and really celebrate how faithful God has been to us. Amen, family? Amen. Amen. And so, you know, so, you know really, really, um, just really, really good point. And so, you know, Julie, you've been someone who's helped so many different individuals, families, and churches really take step in, in really trusting the Lord in this specific area and biblical generosity. So the question I have for you is what drives you personally in this area of, of really of generosity? 
Well, there's so many places in scripture through the years that I've been um, inspired by this. I'm sure many of you would feel the same way because the word of God is just packed with so many things about giving. But I do wanna share one passage in particular that if there's been a passage that I think still challenges me to this day, and I could probably say that about 30 of them, but would be 2 Corinthians 9. The Apostle Paul, if you've got your Bible or if you wanna follow along on the screen, um, the Apostle Paul in this particular um, chapter, in this particular instance, he's ta- writing a letter to one of the early churches at Corinth. And the offering that was being received, because Paul was a church planter, he was co- constantly going around helping these early churches get started, and he was always receiving offerings. It was very, very, very common. But there was something interesting about the Apostle Paul. He spent very little time ta- teaching people, at least that we see in Scripture, what they were giving to he spent a whole lot of time teaching people what they were giving from. Mm. And so in this particular passage here, this we only know really from scholars that this was an offering that was being given to uh, some of the poor churches in Jerusalem, but Paul doesn't take a ton of time to talk about that. He's talking a little bit more about the heart. And so I'd love to just read this passage um, along with us. Beginning in verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can feel more secure. No, I don't think it says that. No, let me, okay. No, you will be enriched in every way so that you can compare yourself to the neighbor next door. Nope, nope, Nope. not quite right. Let's try that one more time. You will be enriched in every way, the apostle Paul says, why? so that you can be generous on every occasion. Now, this particular uh, verse right here, I wanna stop because there's a convicting question that this causes me to ask myself every time I read this. It always challenges me. If, If we've been rich in every way to be generous on every occasion, if you were God, would you give you more money it's kind of a convicting question because if, if, if the reason why we've been given resources is to be able to give them away, is that what I'm doing right now? Hmm. Am I an effective conduit for the Lord that he would want to keep working through me and enrich mm-hmm. me? If you were God, would you give you more money? Hmm. See, the Apostle Paul continues on. He says, this service that you perform this generosity, it's not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people. So it's not just paying for these um, churches in Jerusalem to be able to continue to grow. It is doing that. It's not just helping other campuses in Miami or around the globe. It's not just doing that. It is doing that. But Paul says there's something bigger going on here. It's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of this giving by which you've proved yourselves, other people, they will praise God. Why? Not just because of your, oh, because of your obligation, not just because of your philanthropy or just any of that. He says they will praise God because of one thing, your obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel. See, if you're taking notes, generosity is gospel-driven. It should be gospel driven. And oftentimes it gets driven by something else. It gets driven by obligation. Mm. Sometimes it even gets driven by or hindered by what we're going to give to. Mm. And in the context of the local church, the apostle Paul is challenging us. No, 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 no. When you give driven by who Christ is and what he's done for you, 
That's honoring to God. Other people see it, they praise God because of it. He goes on to say, and for your generosity and sharing that with everyone else. So let them see your place at the table. And he, he, he finishes with saying, thanks be to God for this indescribable gift that we have to give. If there's been anything in scripture, and I, I'm continually still challenged, this notion that it's sometimes less about what we're giving to, right. it's often more about what we're giving from. Mm-hmm. And that our heart should be right with the Lord in that way um, has probably ch- challenged me a lot in my personal. Right, absolutely. You know, and that's why one of the, the main focuses, is, is, you know, of, of the series, especially in the last two weeks, if you've been here watching us, you know, I really kind of focus on what's happening inside of our hearts because ultimately that's what, you know, what, what God cares about. And I love the point, the, 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 the point that you made is, you know, are, are we as individuals, are we being faithful enough that God would give us more money? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking, my goodness. You know what? It, it, when the Lord looks at my life and how I'm care, I'm living my life. Man, what, what a what a great self reflection, right? Amen. Of our own lives, of of whether God can entrust us more with with ultimately is is His money. So, man, mm-hmm. um, terrific, terrific point. And, and you know, Julie, as as you know, we're going through this all in season here at CF. And so, the question I have for you now is, you know, what are some of the things that we should be mindful of, not only as individuals, but also as a church? Um, what are some things that we should be mindful on as we enter into this journey? Yeah, so CF has a real opportunity in this season. So I think that many of us probably give to places outside of Christ Fellowship, right? There's, there's different organizations, many of them faith-based that help our community, sure. that help around the world, and we should. That's very honoring to the Lord. Many of them are doing it in Jesus' name, whatever they've been called to do, whether it's feed or clothe or, or whatever it might be. But when we give to those organizations, it's about mission advancement. It's about advancing the mission that God's called them to. It's not their role. If I, when I give to the Tulsa faith-based food pantry, it's not their role to disciple me as a giver. I'm not saying it won't happen, right. but it's not their role. Their role is to feed the city of Tulsa in Jesus' name, and they do a great job at it. And I know there's many organizations in Miami and around the world that do the same. <clears throat> But the church is so different. When we are challenged to release God's resources back to God as part of the church, it's not just advancing the mission. It's not just paying for ministry to happen. It's actually generosity discipleship. And that's what I've really resonated with and love the way Pastor Omar, you and Pastor Rick have laid out this all-in season because 100% engagement drives what God will do through Christ Fellowship. And so if, if you're taking notes, Generosity discipleship really does drive mission advancement. We can't have one before the other because I'll I'll even say this, I hope it's okay if I say this, if somebody came in right now and wrote a check for the whole amount of everything that that you guys are wanting to do, and Mm. by the way, if the Lord puts that on your heart, I think we would receive, right? (laughs) We would would receive. But if that were to happen, that's not not the final win for all in. In fact, that's, that's like, that, that's a point oh 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 one percent however many families and households and individuals at Christ Fellowship. A win with what you all are embarking on with All In is 100% of this church family and maybe even others outside of it going before the Lord mm-hmm. and sacrificing, trusting him as their all-sufficient provider and, and what that looks like. And what the Lord provides, the Lord will provide. Amen. And uh, so I think it's, it's just a real opportunity yeah. for us to be reminded of that. Yeah, you know, Absolutely. Part of the, the, the main reason we're doing this all in season is really ultimately 
discipleship is generosity discipleship. And discipleship is ultimately when we become more and more like Christ, right? We're helping people follow the Lord, become more and more like Christ. And even in our giving, even the way that we're generous, you know, that we're generous to the work of Christ, you know, we become more and more like Christ when, when we give back. Why? Because what we see in the gospel is that God gave to us first. Amen. And in, in fact, the greatest display of generosity was through the cross. Amen. And through the cross of Christ, we see God's infinitely gener- infinite generosity towards us. And so when his children, when we respond and we obey him in this area and we follow his example, you know, there's something that happens that when we give like Jesus gave, there's something that we become more and more like him. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I think the focus of this series is ultimately, yeah, you know, man, if whatever the Lord provides, and we will use it for mission advancement, but really it's discipleship, it's what's happening inside of our hearts. And so, man, uh, man, such a really good point. And, you know, in this series, we're, we're heading to a point that we have our advanced commitment night on, on Friday, March 6th, and then our, our commitment weekend is March 15th, which I hope all of us are here together. It's going to be a really a, a special weekend for us. And there's going to be a moment where out of, our, out of our trust and surrender to the Lord, you know, we say, hey, Lord, here's what we're committing for the next two years. And so as all of us consider our commitment for All In, you know, how should we be thinking, what, you know, how should we be processing this commitment that we're making towards as we move forward as a church? You know, there's a, there's a great parable, and some of you may be familiar with it. It's, um, it's in Luke 18. It's a parable of Jesus um, called the Pharisee and the tax collector. Mm. And I'd love to just point us there as we're kind of thinking about this all in, because I think it's really helpful just as a guide. Um, Luke, as many of us know, was a physician. And so I don't know if we have any physicians listening today, but um, Luke was very, very clear in how he taught and so in how he he even wrote about, about Jesus's accounts. And so this particular parable, I think, is really timely for what we're kind of going through with all in. So Jesus um, is kind of telling the story of these, uh, this Pharisee and this tax collector, picking up in verse nine. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like these other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. Now, let me pause right there. Most of us probably don't go around quantifying our fasting, right? I I think, I I don't know that I've heard a lot of people, Mm -hmm. you know what, I fasted six times last year. How many times did you fast last year? I don't think that's an issue in our culture, even though it was for this Pharisee. I do think, though, that even if it's not out loud, I don't think a lot of us out loud would say, did you see my triple tithe? I just did. I don't think a lot of us would say that. But sometimes in our hearts, because giving is quantifiable, I think sometimes it causes us to have pride in an area where maybe Jesus is saying, "Mm, I'm not looking for your output. I'm Mm. actually looking for your input. And so here's what Jesus said. So, so that, was, that was what the Pharisee said. I'm good, right? I, I fast twice a week. I give 10%. So those are my outputs, Lord. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me. I'm, I'm a sinner. I, I don't have those outputs. He's saying he's not gonna try to compete with that. That's not what I'm doing. Jesus says this, he says, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the Pharisee, went home justified before God. 
For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. See, I think the unfortunate thing, would it be all right if I use yeah, this? I think the unfortunate thing about giving is that it so quickly becomes an output. So if we think about our faith like this, if we think about these inputs, and then we think about these outputs, the Pharisee was talking about what he was doing in order to please Christ. And in the area of giving, the unfortunate thing is that it's real easy to quantify what we're doing. But the truth is, the more amount, the higher amount you give, or even I'll say this, the higher percentage that you give, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're any closer to the Lord than someone giving at a lower amount or a lower percentage. Mm. It's just a product of your situation. See, some of you, you are paying for the rent right now of two of your siblings that are out of a job. Some of you, your mother-in-law is in the hospital and you're paying for her medical expenses. Some of you, you are helping your neighbor's kids because they are going through a tough time and you're feeding them every night. See, everyone is in a completely different situation and you, know, you don't ever have to defend yourself to anybody except for the Lord. And you know what? The Lord Amen. knows your situation. He gave it to you. Amen. And so when you're thinking about your output, there's two things that sometimes happen. Sometimes we have output pride, like the Pharisee. Some of us would approach the season of giving and say, well, I'm good, Jesus, right? Like, I know I give a higher percentage than most people, or I know I'm giving a higher percentage than I gave last year. Like, I'm, I'm good. All these other people, they really need to get what it means to be all in. But I get it, Jesus. Hmm. But then there's this other thing that goes on too, and I'll call that output oppression. Hmm. And some of us are going through a really hard time. Maybe it's not even a hard time. Maybe you were a two-income household, you had a baby, and you went to a one-income household. Does that mean just because your giving goes down that you're less close to the Lord? <laughs> it probably means you're closer to the Lord if you've got a newborn baby, right, Pastor? Yep. Sleepless Absolutely. nights. <laughs> but I say that to say that our faith, our closeness to the Lord, it's not defined by our outputs. Mm -hmm. It's defined by our inputs. And so what are those inputs? Well, Pastor Omar already taught us about one the last two weeks. And it's this theology of first. See, when we give first to the Lord, sometimes we think about first as first in order. Like it's the first check I write. It's the first auto draft that comes out of my paycheck. But the passage Pastor Omar talked about is far bigger than that. He talked about the passage in Colossians 1 that Christ is before all things, right? All things are by him, to him, through him, and for him. Don't you love those prepositions? Mm -hmm. He is before all things. If you've ever been someone who, maybe it's a friend of a friend, no, nobody within the sound of my voice. Maybe you were getting ready to go into a mortgage situation that you were gonna sign on the dotted line of your house. And if you've ever said this statement, honey, we can buy this house, but if we do, some things are gonna have to change. You no. said that before? <laughs> or maybe you're gonna buy a car. You say, all right, well, we can buy this car. <laughs> but if we do, some things around here are gonna have to change. I'm acting like it's a man's voice. It could have been the woman talking to the man, right? Okay. When you say that statement, some things are gonna have to change. Immediately, that decision is being a driver. Hmm. All things are by it, to it, mm. through it, and for it. And often with us, 
Sometimes everything is by our house, to our house, through our house, and for our house. Mm. Or, and I'm a mother too, so I can relate, by our kids, to our kids, through our kids, and for our kids. Mm. By our job, to our job, through our job, and for our job. True first fruits giving is to say, okay, Lord, what would first look like? You know my situation, you gave me my situation would be so significant for me and my family or so significant for me as an individual where I would say, I could give that much, but if I did, some things are gonna have to change. change. And that's what God wants. He wants transformation. He wants transformation of our hearts. He doesn't want us just giving to be a line item, even if it's a really big line item. He wants it to be a driver. Mm -hmm. He wants all things to be by it, to it, through it, and for it. And so when we wrestle with what this looks like, start here. Don't start here and get Mm -hmm. discouraged and prideful and oppressed. Start here. Start with your situation and your relationship with your God. There's so many other things. I won't unpack all of them. There's this notion of surrender and being fully yielded to the Lord. Pastor Omar's also talked about what it looks like to trust the Lord as our all-sufficient provider and to ask ourselves, am I really trusting him? Am I giving in a willing way? And so I would just encourage us, don't be like the Pharisee that just stops and says, all right, I wrote down something on this card. I put it down, Lord, I'm good. But to honor God by actually engaging with him. And I think, I think it's a real opportunity for us. Absolutely. You know, one, one of the things, really, I just kind of just want to just point yeah. out, because, you know, as I was watching this, I, I don't know if you've noticed, you know, in, in, the, in the first two weeks of, of this all-in series, you know, here at Christ Fellowship, you know, we believe in the biblical tithe, which is 10% of our income, and offering is above that. You know, we've taught this before, but I don't know if you've noticed, I haven't even mentioned the tithe at all, or any specific amount in the last two weeks. Have you guys noticed that? And, and there's a reason for that. It's because... If, if, if I just start talking about a percentage or amount or something, then my, my fear was that you would bypass what's happening in your heart. You see that? Because the reality is that we, we, we need to be sure that we are prioritizing him, surrender to him, trusting him, willing to give to the Lord with a joyful heart. And out of all that's taking place in our hearts, right, the inputs of what's happening, the, the, the condition of our heart, then the Lord is going to lead us to output. But... You know, we got to be very careful because I think these two things right here are so, are, are so key. You know, we can say, hey, there's a percentage I'm giving, and you could, could develop pride in your heart. Or I'm, I'm more godlier than other people because I'm sure my percentage is higher than other people. Or oppression. Listen, this is a big, this is a big deal too. You know, the, this burden that you feel just because you wish you could give more, but you can't in a situation, you feel like there's something wrong that's your, that, that your relationship with, with God is not the same. Or it's, it's, it's really dangerous. But you can, you, you can avoid these two things of pride and oppression as long as you first focus on what's happening in your heart. Because what I love about the Lord is that when he was looking at the Pharisees, the, the tax collector, all these, you know, it's interesting. He never, the Lord never looks at in mountain numbers. Have you noticed that? He's always looking at the heart. Amen. And he always does that. And so when, as, as, as we enter into this all sudden, absolutely, we're going to surrender. We're going to trust. We're going to give as much as we can to the mission. But, man, if we, if we bypass, bypass this, these inputs, it's going to lead to prior oppression. That's good. So true, right? Amen. Man, thank you so much, Julie, for that. You know, the, the, primary, the, the primary goal that I've been teaching for all these, these last two weeks and the primary goal of this, of this all-in season is 100% engagement, right? That, that our little ones, since they have kids or students, 
our adults, all of us, right, that we would engage with the Lord, that we would trust him, that we would surrender, that we would just engage with the Lord. And that's the primary goal of this all in season. So, you know, how can, Julie, how can we take steps towards engaging the Lord like never before? Yeah, there's a great passage in scripture, actually just one chapter before the one we were just looking at, and it's in 2 Corinthians 8. And I think this is a passage you've even taught on here before at CF. And this is the, um, the passage where Paul is talking about the churches at Macedonia. And as many of us know, the churches at Macedonia were characterized by extreme poverty. So he's talking still to the church at, church at Corinth, which was, was not in poverty, but he's talking about these churches at Macedonia. And I'm just gonna read three verses in here. I'm actually gonna begin with verse three. It should be on the screen for you. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. They exceeded our expectations. And let me pause right here. So Paul is talking about, here's all the characteristics. He doesn't say how much they give. He says that they gave on their own accord. They gave beyond, uh, beyond our expectations. But here's the, the secret spiritual sauce of I think what, what Paul is talking about here. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us, which was the church. See, I think in this season, don't get hung up on the church. Don't get hung up on what God's doing here. We, we love CF, we're all, we're all sitting here, and we're all part of this mission. There's no question, we're on this mission. But don't miss out on engaging with the Lord. Don't miss out on what the Lord is challenging you to do, because 100% engagement means we give ourselves first to the Lord. See, I don't think it just means that 100% of us are part of all in. I think it means 100% of us, of me, right. is engaging with the Lord. See, take something like surrender as one of our inputs. Take the notion of surrender. See, there were only two people in scripture that were ever asked to give everything, right? There was the rich young ruler and he couldn't do it. Right. Yep. It was a heart issue. And then the woman with the two coins, we can presume she was asked to give everything because Jesus stopped the worship right. service and he said, did you see she just gave everything? Mm -hmm. But other than those two instances, God is not asking all of us to sell everything we have, live, live on nothing and, and give it all right. to his church. That, that's not a directive that's given to all of us. If he tells you that individually, that's between you and the Lord. But the directive that he gives to all of us is surrender because he's the owner Amen. and we're the managers. And so the question isn't, are you giving 100%? That's not what we've been asked to do. The question is, are you honoring God with 100%? So some, many of us have a house. There's nothing wrong with having a house. In fact, I'll even say there's nothing wrong with having a house of a certain size. The question is this though, are you honoring God with your house? So if you are, and your house is being used as a tool for the Lord, you don't need to sell your house and give it to all in. Your house is a tool for the Lord. Your house is being used as a kingdom asset right now. But if you were to say, hmm, I've never thought about that question before. I need, I need to wrestle with the Lord. I need to engage with the Lord on that yeah. question. And if he leads you to the fact that, you know, I don't know if I am honoring God with my house, then you have two choices. You can either redeem that house and start honoring God in that house right now. Or it's possible you need to release that house and get in a house that you can honor God in. 
See, having, having assets aren't bad, having resources aren't bad when we're honoring God with them. Mm-hmm. See, a good check of that is you loan someone your car, they get a dent in it, you say, that's all right, man, that's God's car, <laughs> right? That's a someone spills a soda on your white couch, that's all right, that's God's couch. It's a little challenging, yeah. but our things are not our own. We've Amen. been bought with a price and we honor God with them. He is not calling us to give him 100% unless he does that to you individually. He is calling us to honor him with 100%. Amen, amen. You know, when, when you, like you said, you know, I think when you really realize, I shared this last week, that everything we have from the Lord, even that white couch, yeah. right, is from the Lord, you know what, you, you want to honor him with it, you know. When you think that car is because of how, how good you are, how talented you are, you know what? You're going to get really upset if someone ever does someone to that car. But when you realize it's from the Lord that he opened up his hand for you, to you, amen? You know what? There's something about that that just kind of is a paradigm shift to the way we, we view things. And, Julie, you know, as, as we move forward with All In, I, I know that when it comes to, you know, giving, it's, it's a tough topic because the reality, that's why the Lord addresses so much. He knew our hearts. He knew that we wrestled and struggled with it. And so I, I'm, I'm confident that, you know, at, at our here or at one of our campuses or online, there's some people who may be on the fence, you know, who are trying to process about all this whole thing and how, to, how, to, how does it apply to their life. And so what would you say to someone who's kind of just still trying to figure things out or on the fence about it, you know, processing? What, what, would you, what would you tell them? Yeah, I would just encourage you, begin with the inputs. I think a lot of times we get stuck on this topic because we find ourselves either here, it's just... It's just a really tough financial time. And, may, and I'll say this, it's amazing that you're here. Whether you're here at PB or you're one of our campuses or you're watching online, you are watching this message for a reason. Mm-hmm. God's inviting you to engage. But don't start with numbers and percentages. Start with your inputs. Start with going before the Lord and don't miss out on what he would have for you. I'll say though, there's probably others of us, it's not a hard financial time. We're not in output oppression we might be in output pride. We might be saying, you know what? I've done this before. Mm -hmm. It's somebody else's turn. I've been given generously here or somewhere else for decades. I need the new young people to step up and it's (laughs) their turn to give. See, that's just not what it's about. You gotta take the church out of it for a moment because the apostle Paul said about those churches in Macedonia, they gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God to the church. See, we're a part of the CF family. We love, we, we love Christ Fellowship. We're here. It's not, that's not a question. The hard thing is to go before the Lord first, to take this off the table, engage with this, and then let him determine this. And it's whatever we all end up deciding to commit, that's gonna mean a lot to us and to the Lord because we will have journeyed with him. So just don't, I would say don't miss out on that opportunity. For sure. You know, it's interesting, I, in, in my own life, you know, with Ashley and just even just thinking about this whole all-in season for, for us as a family, you know, I, I've shared with you, I've been, I, by the grace of God, I've been able to give faithfully back to the Lord ever since I was 15 years old. I've shared that with you before. And what I've noticed in my own life is that when you are giving a certain rate for a certain amount of time, what was at once a sacrifice and what was at once required a lot of surrender you know, isn't it interesting that through time, it just stops being a sacrifice, it stops being a surrender, right? Because you're so used to it, it's just part of your walk with the Lord, and it's just, and, and I really feel like in this season, I feel like God's calling all of us 
to, to, to ask ourselves, am I just too comfortable where, where, you, where I'm at in, in my trust, in my walk with the Lord, right? And, and uh, it's interesting, you know, we, we're, until the day that we die, we see Christ face to face, right? God wants us to trust him, take steps of trust and more and more surrender. And so there is a challenge for us because even for those of us who've been giving, you know, faith for so many years, maybe it's become way too common for me, way, 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 way too routine for us. But if we want our children and our students, our people in our church, new believers to say, you know what, I'm going to trust Christ like never before, then I think we also have to ask ourselves, am I going to trust Christ like never before in this specific new season? Amen? Amen. And so it's Amen. really, uh, uh, all of us, we, it requires us uh, steps of faith and trust and and I really believe that when all of us have that mentality, you know, God's going to do some, some amazing, awesome. amazing things. So, Julie, hey, before we end, I know you're, you're a friend of Christ Fellowship, but you're seeing us from the outside and you're joining us. You know, what, what, you know, what do you see here? What excites you about Christ Fellowship? Yeah, well, Christ Fellowship's on the move. Amen? There's a lot Amen. that God's doing. Amen. <laughs> um, I always love, Pastor Rick always says, our best days are yet ahead. And I love that <laughs> phrase because you've already had some pretty good days. So uh, that's, a, that's a really yeah. encouraging statement. Pastor, it's been so great to see you Absolutely. and actually step into your new leadership. And this is just, a, it's a really great time to be a part of Christ Absolutely. Fellowship. And, and I just want to encourage you, the stuff that you're doing around the world, globally, there are not a lot of other churches doing what you guys are doing. And even locally here around Miami, uh, you're just doing some incredible things. So my husband and I stand with you. We pray for you. We, we, we invest with you. Absolutely. And uh, it's just a real honor and a privilege to get to be um, sharing the stage with you Thank today. Thank you, Julie. I appreciate yeah. it. Hey, can we give it up for Julie? Thank you so much. You've been wonderful. In fact, I'm going to call Pastor Rick to come out here just to pray for us before we end. But Julie, you were terrific. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. Pastor well, Rick. Pastor Omar, thank you for teaching us faithfully the Word of God. We love you, brother. Julie, thank you, thank you. for inspiring us with those words today and bringing clarity. Let's give it up for him one more time. Julie, you're exactly right. The best days are yet ahead of Christ Fellowship. You believe that? Amen. You believe it? Say amen. 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 Well, let's pray together. Would you join me? Let's stand together at all of our campuses and let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the inspiration, for the clarity on this matter of generosity that has been brought to us today. Lord, thank you for Omar, Pastor Omar. Thank you for Julie, for her words. And Lord, as we receive these words, may we commit to not only be hearers of the Word of God, but to be doers of the Word of God as well. And Lord, may we do all that we do for the express purpose of bringing glory to your name. Lord, I speak for all of us. We love you so much, and we thank you for the way that you love us. In Jesus' precious name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. See you next week. Have a great weekend. Love you all. What a great message by Pastor Omar. If you want to take your next step as a believer, we want to hear about it. Let us know by filling out a connection card at cfmami.org connect. We want to thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.